What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So last night was a tough game for the Red Sox. They lost yet again to the Toronto Blue Jays at Fenway Park, which the Blue Jays have just been dominating us all year. But at Fenway, it just seems like more and more they dominate us than they do when we're in Toronto. But Sox lost the game 9-3, to tough game. Tonight, interesting lineup for the Red Sox. They'll be rolling out there with Bobby Dahlbeck as the starting shortstop. With Xander Bogots out of the lineup, Tommy Pham hurt, and then also Christian Arroyo getting hurt last night as well. Tough game for the Red Sox injuries-wise, losing all three of those guys. So replacing Bogots in the lineup, and also Arroyo, because Arroyo is technically the backup shortstop when Bogots is out. I know Kike Hernandez has had some time at shortstop as well, too, when Bogots was out. But with Bogots out of the lineup and Arroyo out of the lineup, the Red Sox were left to leave Bobby Dahlbeck at shortstop. So the lineup stands as this. Rob Snyder leading off, playing right field. Alex Verdugo playing left. J.D. Martinez batting third as the D.H. Rafael Devis playing third base, batting cleanup. Fifth, Kike Hernandez playing second base. Only actually his first game of the season at second base. If you look at his appearances, he's played 56 games in center field and then six games at shortstop. So only six games in the infield and then 56 games in center. So he hasn't played second base all year, even though last year, he played second base a good amount in the first part of last season in 2021. So you look at the lineup, then you got Keegan batting fifth, playing second base, I said. Fringy Cordero playing first base. And then there's Bobby Dahlbeck playing shortstop, batting seventh. Reese McGuire is the catcher. He actually pitched for the Red Sox last night. Didn't give up a run. Didn't give up a run. Honestly, impressive inning there for him, not giving up a run. And then Jaron Duran playing center field. So you got Reese McGuire behind the play catching. He will be catching for Brian Bayo, who's on the mound tonight. Hasn't pitched for a little bit as a starter. And then you got Jaron Duran playing center field. So, different lineup for the Red Sox. Ref Snyder, Verdugo, Martinez, Devis, Hernandez, Cordero, Dahlbeck, Maguire, Duran. So, very much not the Red Sox best lineup that they could roll out there. But obviously with Fan being hurt, Arroyo being hurt, and tough time for Arroyo to be hurt with how hot he's been. And then also you look at Bogots being a little banged up too. It's just next man up and at the end of the day... Dahlbeck will be playing shortstop. I thought it could have been maybe better if you put Dahlbeck at second base and you put Kike at shortstop. I thought maybe that was the best idea. Since Dahlbeck has played second base a couple times this season, two times at second base, played third base 20 times, did not play shortstop at all, though, this season, also played first base 84 times. But if you look at it in his career, he's only played shortstop for a total of just four innings at the major league level. Four innings at the major league level. Played shortstop twice last year. So both of those appearances added up to four total innings. And then also, we played just three innings in the minor leagues at the shortstop position. That was according to Chris Smith of MassLive.com. He never played shortstop at all in college, according to Chris Smith, and played just four innings in the major leagues in two appearances at the shortstop position. So very interesting lineup for the Red Sox tonight. And you look at it, I mean, it just seems like they're surrendering to a certain degree. Seven games out of the last wild card spot. And if you look at it, they're 5-5 five five in the last 10 games. They really haven't heated up at the right time. Lost two in a row now. Stand at 60-63. and 63, Three games out of 500 with Chicago, Minnesota, and Baltimore all ahead of them for that last wildcard spot. So, tough timing for the Red Sox, obviously, with their injuries. But at the end of the day, they didn't really have much of a chance to turn this around, especially considering we really never heated up in the second half of the season. For the Red Sox, it would be Brian Bayo on the mound tonight. He hasn't actually started a game for the Red Sox since July 24th. He had a couple of relief appearances on July 29th and August 3rd. Has not pitched since that August 3rd game against the Houston Astros. So Bayo hasn't really got much work in since his Major League debut on July 6th. He started just three games. 
July 6th, July 11th, and July 24th, two of those against Tampa Bay and one against Toronto. In that game against Toronto, it was his third start in the major leagues, his last start, actually. Actually got the loss in the game, four innings pitched, five earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, and also gave up nine hits in those four innings pitched. So not the best game of him on the year. Is an 8-4-7 ERA with 16 earned runs and 17 innings pitched. With 28 hits allowed, 16 earned runs, and 15 strikeouts to 11 walks. So he struggled command-wise and also giving up hits as well. He's been batted around in all five of his appearances in the major leagues. In the five games he's appeared in, he has an 0-3 record. The Red Sox are actually 0-5 in games he appears in, so don't really have much luck when Brian Bayo's on the mound. On the year, his whip isn't great either. If you look at it, very high, 2.294. A 2.294 whip, which means walks and hits per inning pitched. He gives up 2.294 walks and hits per inning pitched. So at the end of the day, that's almost two and a half base runners per inning he gives up. Not much luck, though. 8.47 ERA in the year. 0-3 in those five appearances with three starts. He'll get another chance to start tonight on the mound for the Red Sox. Hopefully they get five or six good innings out of him. His last appearance was against the Houston Astros on August 3rd in relief. Sox lost that game 6-1. to He did go just two-thirds of an inning in relief, giving up two hits but also striking out two batters and not giving up any runs. Lowered his ERA actually in that appearance from 8-8-2 to 8-4-7. So the mornings he pitches the more his ERA is going to go down. But as of now, obviously, it stands pretty high. So the last thing I want to talk about now is the MLB 2023 schedule was released. The Red Sox will be opening up against the Baltimore Orioles on March 30th. That's a Thursday at home at Fenway Park. And an interesting thing about this schedule release is that this is actually the first time ever that all 30 MLB teams will be playing each other in the same season. So it's kind of like the NBA and the NHL where you play every single team at least once for at least a two-game or three-game series, which I think is really good. I think it's great for the game of baseball that every team plays each other. So if you're an Astros fan, you can still see the Dodgers play. If you're a Red Sox fan, you have the chance of seeing the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is actually happening next year. Mookie Betts will be returning to Fenway Park for a three-game series against the Red Sox. It'll be on August 25th, 26th, and 27th of 2023. Mookie Betts will be making his return to Fenway Park in that three-game series. So, very exciting. So, you get to see the best players on every team. You have a chance to see them at home. And you're not going to play every team at home, obviously. So, the breakdown of it for the Red Sox, according to Pete Abraham, interleague home series. The Red Sox play Atlanta at home, Pittsburgh at home, St. Louis at home, Cincinnati at home, Colorado at home, Miami at home, the New York Mets at home, and the Dodgers at home. Then for interleague road series, so the Red Sox will be on the road against these NL opponents. The Atlanta Braves, so they play them twice, once at home, once away. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, San Diego, Arizona, the Cubs, San Francisco, and Washington. The Red Sox will be on the road against all of those NL opponents. And as I said, the marquee series for the Red Sox in those NL games is Mookie Betts and the Dodgers will be playing at Fenway Park August 25th to the 27th. So obviously a very good and exciting series there. Something to look forward to, especially considering the Red Sox really have not had any luck in the second half of this season. It seems like the season could be over with the Red Sox seven games out of that last wildcard spot. So another interesting thing is the breakdown of the schedule. You'll play a division 52 times. So you play a division 52 total games, which used to be 76 games. So now you're only going to play your division 52 games. So rather than the 76 games, meaning in total, you're going to play each opponent now 13 times each. Rather than 19 times each, like it is right now, you'll play every one of your divisional opponents 13 times. So the Red Sox will play 
The Orioles, Yankees, Rays, and Blue Jays, all 13 times a piece rather than 19 times a piece for a total of 52 games rather than 76. And honestly, for the Red Sox, that's for the better. That's for the better for the Red Sox. We're 16 and 33 right now in games in the division. 16 wins and 33 losses in divisional games. So at the end of the day, this actually might help the Red Sox cutting down divisional games from 76 to 52. As for playing the interleague now more, the Red Sox will have 46 interleague games. So the AL and NL teams will play each other a total of 46 times apiece. And that actually went up from 20. It was originally 20 times you play against NL opponents. 20 games total. Now you'll play the NL if you're the AL, and the AL will play the NL 46 times, rather than the 20 times they face each other right now. And as for the Red Sox, right now they are 8-10 and 10 in interleague games, so not much luck under 500 in interleague games. But being in the division and holding a record of 16-33 in the AL East, playing the AL East now only 52 times rather than 76 times is great for the Red Sox. Even if that means playing more interleague games against the NL, playing 46 games against the NL rather than just 20. As for intra-league games, so games within your same league, so for the AL or the NL, American League and the National League, AL opponents will face each other 64 times. So you'll play everyone outside of your division a total of 64 games. So for the Red Sox, that means they'll play the AL Central, the AL West, a total of 52 times between those two divisions there. And then for the NL, the Dodgers will face the other two divisions, so the Dodgers are actually in the NL West. That means they'll play the NL Central and AL East opponents a total of 64 times rather than the 66 that is right now. So they cut down two intra-league games than they have right now on the schedule. So in total, 52 division games rather than 76 total games in your division. So 24 less divisional games, which, as I said, that will help the Red Sox. Then intra-league games. Every team will play teams in the same league as them a total of 64 times. And that actually went down by two. It's typically 66 games in your same league. So that means the Red Sox will play teams outside of the AL East. So AL teams, American League teams outside of the AL East, the Red Sox will play typically 66 games against. Now the Red Sox will play AL teams outside of the AL East, a total of 64 games, so two less games. And then you'll play interleague games. So against the National League, you'll play 46 total games rather than like the 20 that every team is playing the other league right now. So that's pretty exciting. Now you'll see the NL a lot more, a lot more interleague games, which is very exciting. And if you look at it, the Red Sox, they said, will open up the year against the Baltimore Orioles, a three-game series, March 30th, Thursday, at home at Fenway Park. And then they'll also finish the season, actually, on October 1st at Camden Yards in Baltimore. So they'll finish the season and start the season. Start and finish the season, both of them, against the Baltimore Orioles. As for the Red Sox, Things to look forward to. You'll play Mookie Betts August 25th to the 27th. That's very exciting. I think as a Red Sox fan, seeing Mookie play, whether he's in a Red Sox uniform or Dodgers uniform, it's always a pleasure because of how good and talented a player he is. Obviously, it'll be a very emotional time for fans and Mookie Betts considering how much he did for this franchise when he was a Red Sox. So, one interesting thing is every single team will actually play on opening day now. All 30 MLB teams will play on opening day Jackie Robinson Day, Lou Gehrig Day, July 4th, Roberto Clemente Day, and also Game 162. So that means the last game of the season, October 1st, every single team in the major leagues, all 30 clubs, will be playing on Game 162. So some important dates. Thursday, March 30th is opening day. All 30 clubs will be playing on that day. Saturday, April 15th, Jackie Robinson Day. 
all 30 clubs will be playing on Jackie Robinson Day. Then Lou Gehrig Day, June 2nd, on a Friday, all 30 clubs will be playing on Lou Gehrig Day. Then the London Series and MLB World Tour. The St. Louis Cardinals will be going against the Chicago Cubs in London on June 24th and June 25th of 2023. Very exciting to have an international MLB game. Then the All-Star Game will be in Seattle on Tuesday, July 11th. The MLB Little League Classic will be on Sunday, August 20th. Then every team will be playing on September 15th. That's a Friday in 2023. They will all be playing on September 15th, which is Roberto Clemente Day. And then on game 162, it'll be Sunday, October 1st. All 30 MLB clubs will be playing on that day. So opening day, Jackie Robinson Day, Lou Gehrig Day, Roberto Clemente Day, and then game 162, all 30 MLB clubs will be playing on those days. So I think it's a great thing for the MLB to obviously commemorate and give a nice tribute to Jackie Robinson, Lou Gehrig, and Roberto Clemente by playing games with all 30 teams playing on those days. I think it's a great touch. I think it gives a great feel to it. Obviously, the MLB will be commemorating and remembering those players and giving them the respect that they deserve. So that's great. And obviously, as I said, all 30 clubs for the first time ever will be playing against each other this season. So as I said, that's very exciting. And it'll also give the Red Sox a chance to see Mookie Betts back at Fenway Park against the Red Sox. Obviously, now that will be his first return back to Fenway since he was traded to the Dodgers in 2020. So very exciting, obviously, being able to see him play. And then as for the World Baseball Classic, some important news came out yesterday. Some of the coaching staff was announced. So obviously, I said, Mark DeRosa will be managing the team for Team USA. And then some other guys, some big names will be on the coaching staff, including Ken Griffey Jr. will be the hitting coach and Andy Pettit will be the pitching coach. Very exciting, obviously. So they got Mark DeRosa as the manager. Then they have the pitching coach, Andy Pettit, hitting coach will be Ken Griffey Jr., Lou Collier, who I talked about a little bit because his son was drafted in this year's first round of the MLB draft by the Cincinnati Reds, his son, Kim Collier. Lou Collier will be the first base coach for the U.S. team. And then the bench coach will be Jerry Manuel. So very exciting, obviously. Manuel actually was a major league manager for the Chicago White Sox from 1998 to 2003, and then also the New York Mets from 2008 to 2010. So he's had experience being a manager. Now will be the bench coach for the U.S. team, which is very exciting. He was a World Series champion in 1997 as a coach. And then also, and that was with the Florida Marlins. And he was also AL manager of the year in 2000 with the Chicago White Sox. As a manager, he held a 704 and 684 record, 704 wins, 684 losses with a 50.7, a 507 win percentage in those years as a manager for the White Sox and the Mets. So very good experience there having him on the bench as a bench coach. And then for the other coaches, as I said, I talked about Ken Griffey Jr. This will actually be his coaching debut. And he's a great person to have as your hitting coach, especially considering how great of a player he was over his 22-year career. Played with the Mariners, the Reds, the White Sox, 13-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove winner. So he's not just great at the play, but he's also a great fielder as well. Seven-time Silver Slugger and then also was a 1997 American League MVP. Had a career 284 batting average with 630 home runs, seventh most home runs all time, with 2,781 hits in his career with 1,836 RBIs. He was the first ballot Hall of Famer and then also was on the MLB All-Century team. So very well deserved, obviously, with him being 
uh, hitting coach now for this U.S. team. He's a great person to learn from and listen to, especially considering with all those stars on the team, you have Mike Trout, Pete Alonso, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Cedric Mullins actually just announced he will be playing for Team USA. So there's a lot of great studs on this U.S. team. So it'll be great, obviously, for them to get the experience and be able to talk to Ken Griffey Jr., a guy that obviously was such a hero and honestly, he's one of my favorite baseball players ever. I think he's right up there in the top three greatest players of all time, especially considering how beautiful of a swing he had. There was no one that had a swing like Ken Griffey Jr. And according to an MLB.com article, he actually played, which I already knew, for that 2006 U.S. team and in the first year of the World Baseball Classic. And he led the team, according to this MLB.com article, he led the U.S. team in eight statistical categories, batting average with a 524 batting average in the tournament, at-bats with 21, 11 hits he led the U.S. team with, doubles with two, home runs with three, RBIs with 10, on-base percentage with a 583, on-base percentage in OPS with a 1.631, a 1631 OPS. So very impressive numbers there, obviously, for Ken Griffey Jr. as a U.S. player in that 2006 World Baseball Classic. So credit to that MLB.com article for those stats right there. And then they also got Andy Pettit. Former New York Yankee great, five-time World Series champion, three-time All-Star. He will be the pitching coach for the U.S. team. Won four World Championships in five years with the Yankees from 1996 to 2000. Also was the ALCS MVP in 2001. And actually credit to that same MLB.com article. It said that in 2019, Pettit earned the USA Baseball Volunteer Coach of the Year Award after he was a pitching coach in the inaugural Prospect Development Pipeline League. So obviously now he brings in some experience as a player and then also as a coach as well to this U.S. team. So I'm very excited to see what this U.S. team looks like in March of 2023. Very excited to see who else commits to the team. As I said, Cedric Mullins, Baltimore Orioles, 2021 starting outfielder, center fielder for that American League team in 2021. So he was a 2021 All-Star, as I said, was the starting center fielder in that game. Also was ninth in the MVP vote last year and also was a silver slugger last season in 2021 for the Orioles. Had 30 home runs with 30 stone bases, 59 RBIs, and a 291 batting average with an 878 OPS, a 518 slugger percentage, and then also a 360 on base percentage last season in 2021 in 159 games. This year in 118 games, home runs are down. He has 11 home runs compared to the 30 he had last year, but has 49 RBIs and also 25 stolen bases. So even though the home run numbers are down, he probably still will reach the 30 stolen bases he got last year, hitting just 265 on the year compared to the 291 he hit last year, but has a 731 OPS and a 326 on base percentage. So still a great player, even though last year obviously was his breakout season, and this year he doesn't have as good of numbers. Still a great player and a great add to that Team USA team. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.